sorry about that one, unstable knee. Our scripture reading, our scripture reading this morning is in three sections. The first section is 1 Samuel 2, verse 1 to 10, and it's highlighted Hannah's prayer. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down the grave and rises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the present place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven, and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. We now turn to the New Testament. My page is correct here. And our reading is from Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both of them. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. 
Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let me turn back to the Old Testament again, to our friend Job. So it's Job chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. Earlier this week, it was, well, today it's beautiful in a rainy kind of way. And earlier this week, it was beautiful in a sunny kind of way. It was a beautiful day, and I was riding my bike over the Lionsgate Bridge heading towards Stanley Park, climbing the long hill that's the bridge. This picture is not from that day. It's from another ride last year. But I need you maybe to hear this to get out of this building in your mind. So if this helps, use that. If not, close your eyes. I was climbing the long hill that is the bridge and telling myself that I was going at a good pace. Probably not that good. But the day was perfect. And to glance out over the water to the west overwhelmed me with beauty. Begging the question, how could things be this good? And then a seagull, one that was large and clean and striking, strong, was flying on the other side of the rail beside me, showing off a little bit where he was and how he could fly. And he kept my speed and line for a time so that I began to feel that I was flying too. But then he proved his superiority with a quick flick of a wing, going higher and faster still so that I could see. And then he invited me along to ride on his wings. And he turned out to the water like it was a corner towards how Sound, right into the perfect and living picture of the beautiful day. And being carried by him, I was caught up in praise like he was telling me spiritual truth. The whole earth is full of his glory. But that's fanciful, right? You want to learn how to pray prayers of praise to God. Praise. Consider it from lives not your own. Hannah's story. It helps to know Scripture so that as you come and hear sermons, you can have this in your imagination, your memory. Hannah writes a poem of praise. She thought that God had forgotten her. In chapter 1 of this book, we see Hannah desperately praying a wrenching prayer. In those days, for a woman of Hannah's age, future... Having any kind of future was often equated with having children. And Hannah had no children, and she was judged for that, and she prayed desperately to God. And by chapter 2, Hannah has had a child, and she has written her prayer of praise. 
My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. She prays, you heard, about how the mighty are brought low and how God remembers the lowly. Hannah has for all of her life felt small. And now she declares praise. In the second reading, this woman who has also been judged declares her love for Jesus Christ. He speaks, telling us, asking us, who will love more? One who's been forgiven little or much. And you could say that she might have been forgiven a lot more than you have, but then you search your soul and you realize that you're just like her in need of God's forgiveness. And you're moved to love and you're moved to praise. I added another consideration in my in this sermon. It's a story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus heals 10 lepers. Or sorry, chapter 17. There's such stark lines in this event. Ten lepers approach Jesus. They are all, of course, outcasts. Considered by the world to be worthless. And even worse than that, and you do this to people too who are caught in difficulty at times or face all kinds of trouble in the world. You want to keep your distance from them. So at times you say, well, it's their fault and you judge them. And so now not only do they carry whatever difficulty they have, they carry with them your judgment. That was like the lepers. And they beg Jesus for mercy and he heals them. And they go on their way. And as one realizes the fulfillment of this healing, he turns back, praising God with a loud voice, falling at Jesus' feet and declaring his thanks. But just one out of the ten. And Job, remember Job? He loses everything. Sometimes you feel like your life is like Job's falling apart. I don't know that any of us have experienced loss like Job had. And his friends tell him, because they're good religious people, they tell him, well, you must have done something wrong because God doesn't do this to righteous people or allow it to happen. And he counters that argument. And his wife says, you should just curse God and die. Just give up on God because the whole God project, Job, has not worked out for you so well. And you could, you could appreciate if he said, yeah, I think I'm going to be done with God. And lots of people have taken that approach in our world. Sometimes maybe you felt inclined to do it. But Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I'll present my case to him. There's three elements of praise to mention as we switch now in this 100 Days of Prayer series from prayers of lament to prayers of praise. And I can't describe for you all the times, like the feeling of what it means to move from lament to praise, but I can tell you that so often that's the pattern of life. You think you'd move from lament to death, but from lament to praise from suffering to joy. And some people want to cancel out the suffering as if God would never have us go through anything difficult. That is terrible theology. It's not what Scripture teaches unless you twist the Scripture. After the night comes the morning, but there is the night. 
So three elements of praise to consider from these accounts and from our what we'll be taking up in the next week. The first occasion of praise, it's good to recover this word occasional. Occasional just doesn't mean like I occasionally speak to so-and-so. It means like the thing that brought about the other thing. The occasion of my pain was this. The occasion of my pain was that I stubbed my toe on whatever. So what are the occasions of praise? One is, and this is uh, maybe the simplest one to consider, but there is a depth to it, when something good has happened in your life. So you secure a job after wondering about that. Something happens to you in terms of finances. That's, again, such a go-to in our world now. We kind of think, well, if some good financial news happens, then that's going to make me feel better. And it often does for a time. You needed a car, and you get a car. Or you have a good, good day. And you can praise. Your health is good. You get some good news. And I pray, and I'm like one of the ten lepers then. How is it possible that there's only one? Just one who notices the blessing in his life. And I long to be like that one healed. But it's not, you know, in some ways, it's not the healing that I want most deeply. It's the going back and saying, thank you, Lord Jesus. Somehow my life comes more from that than from the healing. So an occasion of praise is your life and recognizing the goodness in your life. Just realize I haven't asked permission to tell either one of these stories, but I think I would have it granted. And there's no bad news really in it, so here we go. I went and visited Eleanor Woodyard earlier this week. Many of you know Eleanor as part of this church for many years. And if you don't know her, she's the kind of person that you're just glad exists in this world. Uh, she's a, what is she now, 90? And she's small, and her body's giving out, but she is so strong. And when you talk to her for a while, you kind of go, oh, she's so much stronger than me. And I went to visit Eleanor, and the occasion of this visit was that her husband had died. Now, when you think about Eleanor Woodyard, if you're part of this church, you think about her husband being Ted Woodyard for many, many years. Steve, how many years was that? Do you know? Fifty years. And you know some of their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. One of them was just crying a little bit and left the sanctuary. These people don't exist without Eleanor. Thanks be to Eleanor. And Ted. Thank you. Ted died a number of years ago. I think I'm getting the story right when I tell it this way. If not, Steve will correct it afterwards. Just endure the, the, the inaccuracies if they're there for this telling. But I think what happened was sometime after Ted died, Eleanor went to a 50th reunion and reconnected with somebody that she had known years before. She asked to come to my office, and I thought, oh, no, if even Eleanor's upset, then it's a really bad day. Because usually, you know, people want to come to the office. It's something, you know, whatever. It can be bad news of some kind. But she came in and she said, um, kind of in a deferential way, which was unnecessary, but she said, I'm wondering if you could do a wedding. 
and Eleanor and Dawn, who had lost his wife sometime before, were getting married. And they'd been married, they were married for 11 years, I think. And Dawn just died just over a week ago. He had been in care since 2015. And so they lived separately, though just down the street. And Eleanor said to me, I went to be with her to say, how are you? And the first thing she said was just heaping praise upon her family, her kids and grandkids. And she said, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. People are helping me. She said, in in terms of Don, I feel like I lost him more three years ago. And she said, but I'm so grateful for that for that marriage, for God's blessing in my life. She talked about, I mean, she mostly talked about her own kids and how grateful she was because we have, I know those, most of those people. But then she told a story too about Dawn's kids who she did not raise and who are now, I think, in their 60s, about. And she said, you know, Dawn's kids, I overheard them talking when we were, I don't know what they were doing. I, I imagine something around the, the needed administration after death, right? So she was there, and as I pictured it, a couple of Dawn's kids were there, and somebody was talking to them. And somebody said, it must be interesting for you now because you lost your mom a number of years ago, and now you've lost your dad too, so you're kind of orphans. And she said, I overheard one of them saying, no, we're not quite yet. Because we have this wonderful stepmom, Eleanor. I left her place having learned about praise. Circumstances from her own life. And being so grateful to God. Praising God. We read the 116th Psalm together. I'll refer to it at the end of the sermon. The world needs your faith. I need your faith, and you need mine. And we need Eleanor's. So we praise because of God's goodness in our life, our lives. But we praise also because of God's character. I don't know that this is a higher step spiritually, but it's not necessarily as automatic The praise of your own life seems more automatic or from your own life. Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2 is getting there. It's not there all the way. Remember the Bible is the word about the word. And if it's not the word about Jesus, then, you know, like if it's leading you somewhere other than Jesus, then it's not scripture, inspired scripture. So Hannah's prayer, she's a person praying. So when she's praying about how the mighty are brought low, and isn't that wonderful? You can understand that. You can identify with that. But it's a human declaration. When she says something like, the one who's born seven children will be kind of mourning or weeping, that's not something we ought to exalt in necessarily. But she has been so pushed down for her whole life that when she is redeemed by this goodness that God grants her, She sees something about God's character that we can identify with or long for. She sees that God will make things right. The upside-down nature of this world that all we need to do is turn on the news and see. 
protecting more and more and more the powerful and attacking the weak. Panaceas in God that's turned right back again. She praises God for his character. At times we must remind ourselves that we look to Jesus Christ. He has said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You don't see God in a rule. We ought to pray prayers of confession that we have elevated codes and rules and moral law at times above Jesus Christ our Lord as if he serves those laws. You don't see God first in a rule, though you can appreciate religious law and direction. You don't even see God, speaking Christianly, you don't even see God in a sunset or a bird in flight. Where you see God is that as you see Jesus Christ, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father, you realize that God is compassionate, loving, powerful, Beautiful, tender. And so as you're carried on the wings of a gull like that, thanks be to God. And it leads us to the third consideration of praise. We praise God because of the events in our lives, which is often automatic. We praise God as we grow spiritually because of God's character. And this means that we can get out of ourselves It's part of the reason I write that picture like that for you. Because to truly praise in some ways, I had to be lifted out of whatever it was that I was doing. Out of my own experience, my own thoughts, my own fears, my own troubles, my own joys, whatever it is. And just fly out over. So I pray from and praise from my own life. But deeper praise gets me out of myself so that something good doesn't have to happen to me for me to praise. Something good can be happening to someone else or maybe just a bird is flying over this beautiful place we live. The third consideration is regard for creation. And this is something that we can reach out in our world and affirm people who are going hiking today in the woods and it's rainy and the real hardcore people are out there hiking and they're out there because they love it and something happens in their soul. We worship in our Christian faith out of a regard for creation, nature, and humanity. Where your relationship to the world, to life, is rooted in the creator of life. See that? My relationship to this scene is rooted in an understanding of the creator of all life. So I don't have to experience that good myself directly. It doesn't have to be a good event in my life. I can see that bird fly alongside a bridge and be caught up knowing that there is one who loves all life. And then you love it too. Because it exists. So our praise from our lives from God's character and from a regard for creation. One more story and then I want to give you a kind of a living example. So I'm at a birthday party last Sunday. Um, when I tell you about the party, you won't be like, "How? Oh, I'm so upset I missed that party. There's not a lot of people saying, I, get to, I hope I get to spend some time at Evergreen Care Center today. And this birthday party was at Evergreen. It was Phoebe Jean's birthday. 
Now, many of us in this room know Phoebe Jean and could picture her sitting at the back. She's too kind of old and her body is diminishing in strength now, so she can't come here anymore. And she lives in a care center. And Phoebe Jean is full of life and critique. She'll tell you what she thinks at 93 years old. And you might walk by her and she might make you feel like, you know, you're the most special person on the planet. And you might walk by the next time or somebody else walks by and they might be the least special person on the planet. Last time I visited Phoebe Jean, I thought she was just hours away from death. This is about just less than three weeks ago. And so I did what pastors do. There's nobody else there. And I walked into the room and she was lying there. And I'd been told by Ross and Carol and Barbara and others who care for her so well and much that you should go see Phoebe Jane. She might be in the last hours. Her family was gathering this kind of thing, even relationships that had been estranged. And so I went in. She was lying there. And she still had the same Phoebe Jane spirit. It still seemed like if she could talk, she might just tell me such and such. But she couldn't, and she could barely open one eye, and she seemed weak, and her breathing was that breathing that comes often before death. And I put my hand on her forehead, and I read, well, said the 23rd Psalm. And I had the sense that what I was praying was to release her into God's mercy. I prayed. I said some things to her. Thank God that I knew her. And left the room. And then, a couple weeks later, it's her birthday party. I could tell you how old she is, but she'd be really mad at me. It's really old. (laughs) Ross and Carol were there, and Barbara Smith, and Phoebe Jean's daughter. And there's a lot of history there. It was news. Even Phoebe Jean's daughter's coming to this party. I was told that it was from 4 to 7, and I thought, well, that's a long time to be at Evergreen. I assumed that it was a drop-in thing. Nobody would be at Evergreen from 4 till 7. I think they were, because there was cake and leftover food, and I got there around 6.30 towards the end. And Phoebe Jean was back to life, sitting in her wheelchair, presiding over the whole thing like kind of a happy, grumpy queen. It's time for the party to end. And, I mean, I give credit to the people who set this whole thing up and the rest because they really stuck it out and it went to seven. But about two or three minutes before seven, they thought, I think they thought, thanks be to God, we get to clean up now. And so everybody who'd been sitting in a circle looking at each other, saying things, got up and started cleaning up and the cleanup happened really fast. And we were told that there was a man that was coming to the party who lived in Evergreen. I don't know his name. He's on his way down here now. I thought, okay. For some reason, it seemed to be an announcement. And then I heard, well, this guy likes to sing. And he sings the same thing all the time. And nobody can figure out any of what he's saying. And we don't know if he's Italian or Croatian. I thought he was Eastern European. Somebody knows. But he just walks around singing. And I thought, well, that's nice. That's a nice way to end the party. And then I heard him and saw him. And he had his walker, and he shuffled in, track pants, sweatshirt, not too big, little stocky, walking in, singing. 
I think I'll get the lyrics right. I'm confident I remember the lyrics exactly. I don't know if I'll get the tune right, but I know that I'll get the last kind of Broadway warble ending. This was his song. Sung happily. Dum 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 And then the second, same as the first. Dum 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 And he kind of walked in between people as they were cleaning up. And Phoebe Jean started making something happen in her mind that wasn't actually happening. She saw people cleaning up. Oh, and by the way, he would reach, if you engage with him, he couldn't, I don't know that he could, or if he was ignoring, probably couldn't. If you say, oh, so nice to see you, right, he would do that. But then he would stop, and then he would say the same thing, same word to every single person. Chocolate? And I said, no, thank you, I don't want a chocolate. And he would reach into the waistband of his sweatpants. <laughs> And we would reach out with a tiny chocolate and say, chocolate? No, thank you. And Phoebe Jean thought that his arrival had instigated the end of the party. And so she started looking at him and saying, you, you know Phoebe Jean, if you don't, you'll get the picture. You, get, get, get. And Barbara Smith, who had been cleaning up, leans down to Phoebe Jean and says, no, no, Phoebe Jean. All parties have to come to an end. It's just time for the party to end. She so wanted it to keep going. And I became filled with gratitude and praise, so thankful as I left for Phoebe Jean and for Ross and for Carol and for Barbara and for Phoebe Jean's family. And maybe, even though I love all those people and will keep being thankful for them, but in that moment, most thankful for that little man. And I thought to myself, if I didn't go to Evergreen this afternoon, I wouldn't have seen that moment of praise. And I wouldn't be able to lift it up. And I'm still lifting it up. I have in my memory a concert. I'm going to show you a clip as we end. I was at the Vancouver edition of this tour in 2001. Some of you also were there. And I still remember as a youth pastor thinking... This entire concert was a worship service. They were the biggest band in the world at the time, U2. And at the highest moment of the whole show, they were going from one song, which was Psalm 40, (laughs) into the next song, which was called Where the Streets Have No Name, which is about heaven. But he didn't preach. But I knew the 40th Psalm. I knew even the 116th Psalm. It's the same Psalm that Eleanor and I read together this week. And the worship leader is a showman and a rock star. The stage pushes out far into the, I was going to say congregation. He turned it into a congregation, into the crowd on the floor. And I was up higher. This scene is from Boston, but he did the same thing in Vancouver. So he's in the middle of the crowd now, Bono is, and music starts going. He kneels down and he starts saying something. You can't quite make it out, but I'll tell you what he says. He leans down, looks at the people right against the stage extension, and he says, or asks, what can I give back to God What can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? 
I will lift high the cup of salvation. The psalm says, in the presence of the people. I will follow through on a promise I made to him. In other words, I will praise my God in the company of the world. This is part of what it means to bear witness as a Christian. Do you know you can give up being upset about the world? There's a better energy. Praise. Prayer. If you praise God well in front of the world, you will be bearing witness. Sometimes it's in a little room that seems forsaken and evergreen. And sometimes it's in a massive arena. But the world needs your praise. I'll just play a couple of minutes This is Psalm 40. He will lift up the crowd to God in praise. rock concert you'll do more good for the world in knowing how to praise you learn how to praise by being open to doing so it helps to take your eyes off of self and you lift up the world to God your life your family your community The world needs your faith. It needs us to be doing as Christians what we ought to have always been doing. Not telling the world what's wrong with it. The world needs Christians to, doing what, to be doing what we ought to always have been doing. To be praising God in the presence of the people. Let's pray together. So come, Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we ask your forgiveness where we have turned faith into something that in any way, shape, or form could be used against people. Would you free us in this week ahead as we turn in this exercise we've taken up 
this 100 days of prayer to together as a community ask you, I'll ask it now on behalf of all who are gathered here, help us and free us and teach us to to pray prayers of praise, to exalt you, to escape from the burden of self, to be free in you, to know we can praise because when we have seen Jesus, Heavenly Father, we have seen you and you are full of compassion. Come, Holy Spirit, teach us this. Thank you that we're sent from this place with a task that is weighty and beyond anything we could measure. It's too heavy for us. But in Jesus Christ, that burden is light. That we're sent from this place, whatever circumstance in our lives, thank you for Eleanor and what she teaches us and many others. And thank you for Phoebe Jean and thank you for that little man. Thank you that we learn to praise. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.